Hello and welcome to Making Creativity Pay, the podcast where we talk to people in creative industries about how they promote and market their work. I'm Dan Barnett and on this episode I was speaking to Alexis Strum about her experiences as a singer-songwriter, comedian and actress, about going viral on TikTok and her resurgence as a pop star 20 years on. We talk about having songs she's written being recorded by Kylie Minogue and Rachel Stevens, the impact being dropped by her record label had on her and her determination to make the most of the opportunity the second time around. We also discuss social media, online promotion, and the psychological impact chasing clicks has on your state of mind. I started the interview by asking Alexis to give a bit more info about herself. Hi, I'm Alexis Strum. I'm a singer-songwriter and actress. I've been acting for about 10 years. I was a singer-songwriter and pop star around 20 years ago. And this year, I had an amazing comeback, which I never expected in a million years. And I'm back making music again after all this time, which has been incredible and... Uh, my story has definitely sort of piqued people's interest this year. It's been, it's, it's gone viral or whatever you call it these days. It's been a really exciting year. Yeah. So kind of, I suppose to kind of start at the beginning with music. So, I mean, was that, was that always your first love and what you wanted to do? Yeah, um, definitely. I think um, I started off actually, I started life as a performance poet Um, which sounds really bizarre, but back in the day, and I think it still happens, um, there was this sort of New York trend that swept into London of performing your poetry. So it was kind of somewhere in between reading out a poem and singing a song. And I, I was like very creative at school and my art teacher really, really encouraged me to sort of pursue that. He used to give me Joni Mitchell records and stuff. So that was what got me interested in songwriting. And from that, I started writing poetry. And then I ended up going into this performance poetry scene when I was 14, which was probably very precocious. But my mum always used to go with me. It was in Hackney. Um, and she'd always used to go go along as my chaperone. Um, but it was, it was a really interesting introduction into performance, creativity, you know, that side of life. And so in, in terms of then getting into music and performing, mm-hmm. I mean, how, how do you kind of develop that? I mean, did, did someone say, you know, yes, you've got a real knack for this? Or did you have to kind of knock on a lot of doors? Um, I think because I was really good at writing poems, you know, I've sort of, I understood rhyme and structure. So it felt natural to put that to music. And I'd also started playing the guitar around 14, 15 as well. So it just felt like the most natural thing in the world to put the two together, the words and the music. Um, and then I was in school bands and that sort of thing. And and from that point, that was when I wanted to um, become a recording artist. And so by the time I was 16, I was, I'd bought a four track and I was making my own demos in my bedroom, which nowadays makes me laugh because like there's people that age on TikTok and they've got like a full recording studio. They're making their own album, uh, promoting it from there. But I guess I was ahead of my time at the time. Yes. So that was what I did. And then from there, I just that was I, I decided that was what I wanted to do. Still went to university and, and did all my studies and everything. But I, there was no such thing really as an overnight success. It was something that you had to build and I used to buy the NME and Melody Maker every week and just apply to every single advert. So whether it was a band, a producer, whatever it was, I would just apply and think, okay, well, whatever this is, it will be experience. And I think one of the first, yeah, actually the first uh, session that I did was with Marksman, who probably no one will remember, but they were like this sort of political rap group. <laughs> And um, I just went to the studio with them and did some demos and, and, and started to learn what a studio process was like. 
and from then I, I started working with some other writers who happened to be published and because they were published and we wrote songs together then the publisher Warner Chapel were interested in my music and they were like oh who's this girl that's written on this and singing and I got offered a publishing deal with with Warner Chapel when I was 21 so it felt at the time like it took years and years and years but 21's pretty young to be in that position um so actually from the outside it was quite a quick process you know that's the kind of the up you've kind of got got the record deal mm-hmm. also going but then it kind of doesn't quite keep going at that trajectory oh, well i got yeah i got a publishing deal i didn't get a record deal for about another 4 years okay. so they were very difficult years because i literally would bang on every single door constantly going to meetings playing them my demos and watching their reaction and and that was it's so painful because nowadays you just upload a track mm. you don't have to see the other person but watching them and you're like especially if it's an upbeat track and you're waiting for them to kind of bop along to it and they're just sitting there like oh my god so a lot of that a lot of hustling always always been my own pushy mother so I was just pushing 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 anyone that I met be like listen to my music listen to my music it's great I'm great uh, and and kind of yeah very confident that back in those days that I would get there somehow mm. I didn't I didn't know what the route was and so kind of you know kind of moving further forward kind of what what's been the the kind of story and kind of the revival is that you know things didn't quite for whatever reason happen but you're kind of you know moving past that and kind of getting hopefully that recognition and success that maybe didn't quite happen then yeah, I mean, I got signed. So I had two huge major le- label deals at the time. So when I was twenty, about 25, and then when I was about 28, I think it was, uh, and the records never came out because the label kind of got cold feet. So what happened was this year was 20 years or, or thereabouts, because I'm not that old, or thereabouts since I'd signed those deals. And my fans, I didn't know I had fans. This is the interesting thing. I didn't know I had any musical fans. It had been... 20 odd years um, and they just all kind of wrote to me and went oh it's 20 years since you released something last or whatever would you be interested in trying to put it out there and that was what was the catalyst for me to get back into music because I, I genuinely didn't know anyone had ever heard of me I just kind of got it I just had a life of absolute anonymity worked in IT uh, was a mum did a bit of acting, um, did some other little bits in showbiz but not really very much so it was really lovely to hear that that music had its own life that I was actually nothing to do with. Those songs, yeah, they had their own journey. And I guess that's why we do it in the first place. In that intervening 20 years, had you just kind of either fallen out of love with it or you thought, you know... I, I, that's exactly yeah. it. <laughs> it was. I had absolutely fallen out of love with music. I It broke my heart. It was, it was the hardest thing to walk away from that harder than any relationship because I knew when I got, I was about probably 29, 30 at the time and I thought, there's nowhere else for me to go with this. There's no more doors I can knock on. I've literally exa- exhausted all opportunities. And I think as someone creative, that doesn't happen very often. You know, they, there's always hope. Yeah. There's always other ways in. But I literally had exhausted all routes. So I knew I had to walk away and do something else. But I loved music. It's always been my passion. And I grew up listening to music, playing music. So it was really hard to walk away from it. But I did. I literally didn't pick up the guitar for maybe 10 years. I didn't sing. I was just closed off to it. And that's heartbreaking, actually. So being back in love again is is just wonderful. I'm, I'm a much 
happier person for it, I have to say. Yeah. And how have you found the response for it? Because obviously now you've got the, the physical album. I know you performed some gigs with it. I mean, how, how's the response been? The response has been, I mean, it's just been overwhelmingly lovely. I don't even mind. I mean, actually, no one's no one's come out there and said, you know, you know, you have this voice in your head, like with the worst possible comments that people could say. And I thought I'd get lots of like, oh, you're too old or go away or whatever. No one's no one said that, actually, probably just the voices in my head. So it's all been very much like I've had loads of personal messages where people have written to me and said, do you know what? Thanks to you. I've gone out and pushed myself to write that book or whatever. Um, just because they've seen, and I, it's not because I'm wonderful or particularly talented. It's just that I've persevered yeah. and I've kind of followed, I've followed fate in a sense, because fate came calling this year. I could have just gone, do you know what? I'm actually earning really good money in my IT job. I don't want to be doing music, whatever. But instead I thought, no, I'm going to walk away from a really decent job <laughs> that I'm now regretting. Um, and I'm going to walk away from a decent job and actually go for it. Which is terrifying, I have to say. Absolutely terrifying. So, so, so did you feel then that if you were going to do it, you'd do it properly, you wouldn't try and, you know, side hustle even as we get, you, you thought if, if it's going to be done, it should be done properly? Yeah, it's the side hustle thing's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because it's, with all these creative endeavours, you can do it to an extent as a side hustle, but there's always a point at which you have to make that leap. And I felt very much that, it was getting to the point where I was doing my job and then I was trying to promote stuff because I do most of project uh, promotion myself trying to do all of that on the side I just couldn't do it I was exhausted so I knew that was the point at which there was that leap and I had to make that leap of faith much like as I said like you know there was a point at which I knew that was the end of things for me with music I feel like these things are actually very clear and you if you listen to your gut you know when they're you know when that's happening yeah. Um, and I knew I had to I had to go for it full time. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, who else gets a, who gets a second chance at 46? It just doesn't happen. So I'm not going to get a third chance. This is yeah. it. If I don't, you know, grab the ball by the horns now, that's it. Yeah. You know, I can kind of understand that, you know, if the albums don't come out. But, you, you know, some of the songs then perform, were then performed by Kylie, Rachel Stevens. So, you know, you've got that validation. You know, they're not going to put out any old tat. You know, it, you've, you've got that, that they know that you can write a good song. But that even even that wasn't kind of enough to kind of think, you know, I've got something here. Yeah, it's interesting, as you said that, I thought, I don't believe you. And I think that that's just because I have quite low self-esteem, although I'm very confident. And I didn't feel that way. Even though they took my songs, I still felt like a failure. And I did for the largest part of, you know, the last 10, 15 years, I felt like I failed at music. And I think the worst thing I did actually was to call myself a failure and then also ran and I made a whole shtick of it I did a, a comedy night we just spoke beforehand about all the different things I've done I used to do this comedy night called the time I almost and I kind of take the mickey out myself and you know I almost was a pop star and actually uh, it didn't help me it didn't help me to do that to make myself the butt of the joke um, and now I say to people oh yeah I'm a pop star even though I'm not like a big name one I'm doing it yeah. And I think I didn't take any of that stuff seriously. Even when Kylie was singing my song, I still felt like, oh, I never made it. But there you go. That's confidence for you, isn't it? It's a tricky t tricky thing. So, I mean, like you said, you know, there's a num number of different areas you've worked in. So comedy, podcasting. Did anything in particular kind of interest you or you just, you just wanted to try lots of different things and kind of see what worked, what didn't? Um, I think... I think what's underneath all of them is that I have a view of the world that I feel is interesting enough to share, whether it's in a song or a script 
or or a podcast you know experiences that I've had that I think people will relate to so I it's always been like I'm just trying to find out the right vehicle and at certain times I kind of might feel that I want to be isolated and sit and write on my own or I might feel like I want to go out and sing something I've written um and it really just is like it's been a long career so I guess everyone goes through changes in their career and wants to do different things and I feel like they all complement each other in a weird way podcasting I found quite difficult because there's so much there's a lot of preparation that goes into it and yeah I'm not sure if I was the best at hosting a podcast we'll see time will tell but I feel like certain things are more natural to me so being on a stage and performing or singing is completely natural I don't I don't get nerves I literally I'm like get me on there I'm ready. <laughs> um, and I've always been like that. But it's it's weird because then there's also that part of me that's, as I said, really low self-esteem. So I'm kind of always in this internal battle. But usually the uh, tinsel, tits and tinsel kind of wins and I get on stage and do it, if I'm allowed to say those words. <laughs> tinsel, obviously, is a swear word. <laughs> it's not, not environmentally friendly anymore, so yes. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, <laughs> I know. In, in terms of that, so... Acting, you know, you talk about gatekeepers. I mean, do, do you still find in things like that acting that it's still very difficult? You have to still knock on a lot of doors, or is is it a lot easier now in the in the more of a digital age where you know where you you can do more things remotely online? You can get noticed in other ways. Uh, it's really a good question, um, and I think I can really compare the two because I've done the two for quite long periods of time. The gatekeepers have changed in music, so that is now easier. So if I wanted to get my track. No, if I wanted to. If if I if I was interested in getting my track on the radio, I could probably just email a DJ and if they like it, they'll play it. Whereas it used to be that there was literally one person that made that decision across the whole of the network and that was it. So actually that is easier to get myself noticed. Acting, in fact, it feels like it's more... Uh, there's more gatekeepers. It's harder. There's more actors around than there were pre-COVID and then because there was less work we're all kind of scrabbling for the same jobs now so I've found that's a lot harder it doesn't matter if I knock on the doors I sometimes I'm just not going to get seen I think as well what's interesting is that with acting casting directors directors producers are now looking at your social media profile when they're casting so it's not enough to be the best actor in the room you've got to have some kind of social media presence or something to you, yeah. something else to you. And I, and I would argue with anyone that says that isn't true because it's very much true. So that's a lot harder because then obviously you've got that responsibility of just always trying to be online and creating content, which in itself is exhausting, yeah. you know, and that's like a second job to the acting or whatever. Same with music though. You know, a lot of artists have been, big artists as well, have been complaining about their label losing faith in them because they don't have, you know, that many TikTok followers yeah. or whatever. And it's, yeah, it's a little bit arbitrary, definitely. And in, in terms of the other areas, because I know you're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, mm. all those kind of things. When you're trying to produce stuff, are you quite disciplined to say, I need to do five pieces a week? I need to do something every day? And how, how, much, how much of work and preparation goes into all that kind of thing? So I'm incredibly disciplined. I've always had a list ever since I was 14. I don't think I've ever completed it, so it just goes on and on. Um, I write everything down religiously. Um, I don't have my notebook with me, but I've, I've always got a notebook and a planner and a plan of what I'm 
trying to achieve at that particular point. So nothing is left to chance. Um, so even if it's just the, like at the moment I'm planning what my next single will be, I'm also planning the content that will support that, planning live gigs to go around that, planning writing sessions for the next album, etc. So there's so much that's all being planned at the same time. I, I don't have a lot of time because I'm a single parent. So it's made me even more disciplinarian with my time. But I think that's actually been a good thing because I think I say no to lots of things I would have said yes to previously that probably wouldn't help me just because I was eager to please. And like, if someone asks you to do something, you're like, wow, yes, of course, I'd love to. Um, but now I do less. I do less of that kind of stuff and more on my terms. What do I want to do? Is this going to help me? Is this going to help the music? Is it going to help the acting? Yeah. Do you kind of feel that, say, the, the comedy helps the music in that everything that boosts your profile is a, is a good... Or do you see them as, as kind of separate things? At the moment, I'm trying to do less comedy stuff because I think that that can be confusing, especially in TikTok, which is very siloed. I think if I'm doing comedy stuff all the time as well, people just kind of don't understand what you are. You need to just be one thing in TikTok land. Different in Instagram, Twitter, but you know, different, they're different markets. But it's a tricky one. It's a tricky balancing act. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I've kind of been religiously on Twitter for God knows how many years, but obviously that yeah. tanking, I've kind of, you know, I'm probably like about 15 years behind the curve. I've moved on to Instagram now a little bit <laughs> and I kind of think about okay. doing TikTok because, I mean, a lot of the time people say that, you know, it's a lot easier to kind of grow quickly or have something that gets a good response on TikTok, whereas the others, it's all about your follow account. With TikTok, it can kind of... Mm mushroom quite big i mean look looking at yours you know there's some there that have like half a million views so you know some things just go crazy yeah, you could literally you could literally build a profile within a week if you have something that goes viral but my goodness is it hard to do and the thing is thinking about your last question actually i have to be very careful because one of the things that i do that's a comedy thing is uh i do this character who's a who pretends that she was the pa to prince harry and Meghan markle and every time I do a post, it does go very viral. It gets like a few hundred thousand views normally. But I have to be really careful because I don't want to end up in that niche. That puts me in a that puts me in a very small pocket. Um, and equally, if I'm trying to promote my music, I'm not sure that those two go hand in hand. So you have to be careful. If you want to go viral on TikTok, it is actually very easy, but you have to be incredibly uh, calculated about what it is you want to go viral for, because whatever that is, you will be stuck doing that for the foreseeable future. And then if you change it, no one's going to watch your videos anymore. So if it's something like you're in an awkward position, but you do a funny shtick each time, you're going to have to do that each time. <laughs> you're going to have a bad back, right? Um, and that's kind of it. And then you can try and replicate something that's done really well on TikTok that you've had success with. And the next day, it will get like 200 views. And you sit there and you're like, why? I've, t I've tagged it the same. It's the same. It's the same room. I'm wearing the same outfit. It is very much potluck. But if you come up with a concept that is out there enough and random enough, then yes, you can go viral very quickly. Twitter... I think is a very different one. I mean, the stuff that I have that goes viral on Twitter is always, if I post tweet threads, I mean, we should say X, right? But if I post threads, um, they tend to go viral because I make them into little stories. 
and I'll plan those out so there'll be like a 10 part and it will, you know, there's some sort of payoff at the end or whatever. And that's a really good way to grow an audience, I've found. That's been really useful for me and opened a lot of doors to people that would never have heard of me before. Especially, actually, if I post stuff about creativity or process or stuff that's uplifting and how to keep going in the industry, that tends to do really well on there. Uh, and Instagram, I'm still kind of figuring Instagram out. I mean, do you like it? Do you enjoy it? Um, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, there's, it's pretty good for a short while. Just a just a quick a quick look, and then yeah, that's fine. With Twitter, you get you get all the good and the bad with Twitter. So Twitter, you yeah, you can spend forever mm-hmm. on because yeah. there's always new stream of content. With with Instagram, you know, once you've seen 300 photos of people having a great time, you kind of think, yeah, I'm kind of done with that now. Yeah, you're right, actually. It's more time constrained, isn't it? I think Twitter, as you say, TikTok, you could literally spend a week on TikTok and not sleep because I tell you what, scrolling through, there's stuff I've learned about humans that I would love to unknow, really. I mean, some of the stuff that people like, and I'll watch it for hours and I think, what am I doing? It's like puppies, puppies being fed their breakfast. Someone's just put a camera on them. There's hamsters in a wheel, and I'll sit and watch that for a few minutes, maybe an hour. Bonkers, isn't it? It's just absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Kind of one thing I'm interested in talking to creative people about is that everything has a metric now. So, you know, like you Uh said, you know, every tweet you post, everything you put on TikTok, you will know whether it's five people, 500 people, 500,000 people have liked it, watched it, whatever. I mean, how does that kind Mm. of mess with your head that kind of you're constantly being judged, basically? Do you want to, do, should I give you the honest answer or the, the showbiz answer? No, the, on, the honest answer. <laughs> the honest one. Okay, the honest answer, it breaks me. If I've put hours into like an acoustic version of a song or a sketch that I think is brilliant and it gets 200 views and literally no one even comments, I die inside every single time. And it's really hard. I try to limit the amount of time that I'm on social media to stop that from happening. But you can't. It is constant rejection. Um, And, yeah, it's really hard. I don't know how you get on top of that because the highs are massive highs and the lows are massive lows. And when you get a video that gets... And every time you look at it, it's going up and up and up and up. And you keep looking at it. uh, It's it's incredibly addictive. It's like like going to the arcade, Mm. you know, um, or going to Vegas. And of course, when you have a really huge video and then the next one doesn't do as well, you think that you're a failure uh, because you're not as good as yourself. So all kinds of emotional, psychological stuff comes up. And it is probably not very good for our mental health, um, especially because I put myself across many different platforms, even dabbling in LinkedIn. Mm. You know, putting stuff on LinkedIn now as well. So I'm a fool for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's so... It's it's so kind of difficult that you know you'll you'll put your your worth into you know these these random things and yes. if, if if you know it it can just be if if one person with a decent following amplifies it then boom so you know there's no real you know a lot of the time there's no real difference necessarily in the quality of what you've done or the worth of it but mm. the success can be wildly varying. Yeah, I think as well um, the thing that I really struggle with is comparison. 
I look at other people, my peers, and seeing what they're up to and what their stats are and their metrics. And I absolutely get into a, like a cycle of jealousy. It's horrible. I'm wearing a green top. No one can see this. But, you know, you get green with envy and it's awful and it really affects your mood. And then something pulls you out of yourself, like you've got to make dinner for your family or whatever. And you think, oh, my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? It doesn't matter. Um, but, yes, they're, they're genuine feelings at the time. Uh, there's something I auditioned for, actually, uh, funnily enough a few months ago and I looked up to see who got the part and it's someone that I know that I'm always up against and I was like ah oh, damn it and it really spoiled my evening um so I'm gonna kill them that's basically the, the upshot <laughs> just break their legs you don't have to kill them you don't go that far yeah just break their legs a little bit just a bit <laughs> yeah so you were saying as well that possibly writing a book about the whole experience is that a kind of an ambition or is that you know, kind of being formed as we speak? I mean, I've written the majority of it. It's whether or not I get it published. Um, and also, I'm not sure it's quite the right time because I feel like I'm still in my story at the moment. And I'd written it before all of this happened with the music this year. So I'm now looking at it through a fresh lens and I'm not sure it's quite the book I want to write. But there, I do have a book in me about the whole experience of, you know, these sort of abortive um, missions in creativity. Every single one of them has led me to a really cool place or led me to do other things. So, yeah, I mean, it's so weird, isn't it? The other day I was thinking, I really need to find a recording studio to, to record some new stuff. And then I, I went into WH Smith to buy a copy of this magazine that I'm in, Retro Pop. And I was chatting to the guy that worked there and I went, oh, I hope you don't mind, but I'm, I'm actually in this. Do you mind if I film it a little bit? And he was like, no, he went, oh, I make music. I've got my own studio. And it was like, wow, you know, if you kind of put yourself out there, it's not enough to have the intention. You've got to talk about it to people. Now, my mum was always the kind of person that said, oh, don't tell anyone, because if it doesn't work out, you'd be really embarrassed. And the thing is, I've embraced being embarrassed. All of my failures are out there. So I talk about it to people because then it makes it real for me. I don't know if that's the same for everybody, but it, it's really worked for me to just be talking about it and putting on Twitter, oh, I'm in the studio. I'd like to write some more songs. I don't know if I'll get the opportunity. And then people kind of come back with their thoughts. It's great. It's a great dialogue. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's that's true that you have to put yourself out there. But it's a lot easier said than done mm. because, yes, you know, some, someone will then say, oh, you said you were writing a song nine months ago and then <laughs> you haven't done it yet. Yeah, but, you know, the funniest thing is, and I was saying this to a friend the other day, no one cares. No one remembers. So I could say, oh, I'm going to do this and hype it up and then it doesn't happen. No one's really going to notice because so much is going on in the world and I'm not that important. So I think it's the fears that we have. We imagine that everyone's sitting there watching our every move. Oh, Dan said he was going to do this. He said he was going to write a book and he hasn't. I'm going to write to him now and tell him that he hasn't. Um, whereas no one, yeah, we're all just so busy in our own lives and caught up in our little echo chambers uh that i think you can you can just say one minute oh i'm gonna write a book now and and just see what comes of it because you saying that and putting it out there someone might say oh well actually i can give you some help with that or i know someone that's looking for a book like you've just described and i'd much rather have those opportunities than not say anything at all my next guest i'm speaking to in a couple of days um he's an author and he's he's written a book in association with chat gpt so it's, oh, it's not wow. like just put a prompt in and it spits out 30,000 words, but it's a much more iterative kind yeah. of process. I don't know kind of what uh-huh. your thoughts are on kind of how that would work with songwriting. You know, do, do you ever use anything for inspiration or or would you use anything for inspiration? Um, 
No, and weirdly, uh, it's, it's something I've been thinking about a lot. There was something I saw on my Instagram this morning, which was a chord prompt. And basically, you put any chord into it, and it tells you all of the other chords that will go with it, so that when you're songwriting, it sort of helps narrow the field. And I thought, oh my God, I would hate to have that, because I like to think that inspiration comes like, whoa, this sort of thing from the universe. I don't want to cramp that or put boundaries on it. Uh, so no, I'm probably the opposite. Um, but I do, th I am really interested in chat, um, GBT and a GPT and AI in general. I was fascinated by the version of Houdini, the Dua Lipa song that they got a Miley Cyrus AI to sing it. And it sounded exactly like Miley Cyrus. That terrifies me, but also impresses me in equal measure. And I think that more, more will come. Um, obviously there's just been the strike in America over exactly this. And, and the use of your likeness or image or whatever or voice and yes that will be a thing but you cannot you cannot create uh something that is going to emotionally touch people in the same way as that human spirit can um and everything that i've kind of read from chat gpt yes it sounds like a sounds like a seinfeld script or whatever but it hasn't got that human touch to it they'll probably get there mm. i'm sure they will yeah, and I, th I think a lot of the time it'll be, well, just do a rough. You'll get the you'll get the computer to do a rough draft, mm. and then you'll get a human to to do the rest. Because I think they're talking about that, you know, with some kind of you know, animation and things like that. You'll get some initial styles mm. from AI, and but then making it look, you know, getting it from six out of ten to ten out of ten is is then the human instead of getting a human to do the yeah. whole thing. I mean, I'm all for it. I think it's you know whatever it takes to get whatever it is that you want to get out of you. Um, I'm all for that and I think everyone has a different process I've always been very much like I'm I'm looking at my desk at the moment I've got a little pad of post-it notes and a pen and I'll just scribble ideas as I go around or sing them into my phone and it's little bits and bits and bits and then some at some moment they'll all kind of crystallize into a shape and it might be a song or a script or a sketch or whatever and that's my process but that doesn't mean that that's the right thing for everybody and everyone has their own way of getting there haven't they so um Yes, whatever whatever your way in is, I'll be very interested about this book as well. Yeah, yeah, I'll listen to that. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really. I think he kind of ended up being up up at three a.m. almost the, the kind of whole kind of writing process <laughs> and kind of having this kind of relationship with with ChatGPT. It's it's wow. it's, it's kind of bananas. So for you now, what do the kind of next six to twelve months look like? Do you have you know you said you kind of write things down? You're quite quite focused. I mean, do you yeah. think right? You know, March I want to single out. June, I want another yeah. thing. Like, are you are you that structured, or is it a bit more uh, free flowing? Yeah, it's very structured because I have a house with a mortgage, and I have to be structured and and consider it my job uh, rather than just some sort of airy fairy. Oh man, I'm gonna write a song about the universe. You know, I've got to have some structure there. So I've got singles and releases planned up till the summer, and then really around that. I've left room for things to happen. So my goals are to get a publishing deal for my music and be writing for other people, to have new music out by myself. I've got acoustic projects that I'm going to do as well. And uh, I'd love to do some great acting roles next year, maybe with singing. You know, it's not something I've ever really done before, so that would be interesting. A lot of it is goals, but there is a structure there. And there's a point at which, again, I've built in a buffer of like, if something doesn't happen by a certain point, 
I will have to look at other options, i.e. going back to work in IT. And it's not the worst thing in the world, so that's fine. But there's always that little plan in there for like, what if no one likes anything that I do? <laughs> Any of the videos, the music, the acting, da 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 There's got to be a plan there, because, you know, I just don't want to be an annoyance. I don't want to be like Jane McDonald popping up, singing at your wedding, or singing in your bedroom, and just she's just there everywhere. So, um... No offence to Jane McDonald, she's wonderful. But I, I don't want to get to the point where I feel like I did that time 20 years ago, standing, looking at all the options and going, okay, I've exhausted everything. I will not let myself get to that point. That was quite a bleak answer. Yes, yes. I'm going to be really successful in 2024, Dan. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the way. Yeah, I mean, are you able to kind of, I don't, I don't want to kind of put this in, live, live with that pressure that, yeah. you know, you need to, it, it this this isn't just a bit of fun. Mm. It it is it is the day job. Uh, am I able to live with it? I'm finding it really hard. I'll be honest with you. It's been only a couple of months that I've sort of been doing it full time and thinking, okay, what next? What next? Uh, I don't know. I mean, a lot of my answer is going to be I don't know. As much as we can plan for stuff and say, well, this is going to happen then, and I'm going to release this. Anything could happen, but anything could happen in a super positive way. You know, I could wake up tomorrow and someone is making a movie and they happen to hear my song because they saw something on Twitter and my song is the big song from the movie and then that gives me a whole other year paid for that I can pursue all the artistic things I want to do. And that's kind of the gamble that I, I live in hope of and, I, and that's why I keep going because I know that those things happen. I've had that happen to me and I know it can happen again. Um, and it can come from any source. So I'm kind of just got to keep myself out there. Um, but it, yeah, it's hard. It's it's a pressure. I think if I was single, if I was still living with my parents, these, these things would be very different. And actually 20 years ago when I was doing music, I didn't have those pressures. Yeah. So I it was very easy for me to just think, oh, I don't, it doesn't matter if this doesn't work out. Um, so... Yeah, it is a pressure, but I think anyone that's ever written a book or written a TV show or done a, you know, done an album, whatever it is, you've kind of got to go through that. You've got to go through that and think, what am I doing? Otherwise, nothing gets made. You know, paintings don't get painted. <laughs> that's a terrible, terrible turn of phrase. But books don't get written, albums don't get made. So you kind of have to take that risk and. And I do feel like sometimes the universe points you in a direction and I feel like the universe is definitely pointing me in the direction of doing this for now. And there's enough synchronicity and signs and coincidences it feels like it's right. I think when you stop getting those, then it's kind of a bit of a sign as well uh, without sounding too woo-woo and crazy and yeah. out there. And to, to, <laughs> to make that leap, I mean, did you have weeks of sleepless nights or were you... No, because you've you've had the taste before. You were you know you want to do it, and it was kind of you know, a no brainer. Yeah. Um, not so much sleepless nights. I found that planning really helped, and actually marking out what I want to do uh, on paper really helped. And I, I guess that some of your listeners might be in between creative endeavours or sort of deciding between them. I did take some things off the list actually. Like I was thinking of doing a podcast about the time I almost all the music stuff that I'd done. And it's still there, but it's on another list because I can't do that and do all the other stuff at the same time. It was just like, there's so much I'm interested in. Um, so I put some things on the back burner and that helped. 
and I think focusing on just the music and the acting at the moment for me feels like, although those are both huge things, that takes the pressure off a little bit. So no, not as many sleepless nights since I've done my planning. And I've, to, I've also, I think it's really useful to talk to your friends, your family who know you best and say, well, what do you think I've got the best chance with? You know, do you think I'm doing the right thing if I do this? And talking it through with people does really help. If you keep it... If you keep it to yourself, you kind of get into this catastrophic thinking, which isn't realistic, you know. And also, it's like you take a risk; it doesn't work out. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna die from it. Um, <laughs> I don't think I will. So uh, it's worth taking that leap of faith. I think every time it's worth taking it. Yeah. Whatever comes up, you weigh it up. You go, yeah, why not? I say yes a lot more as well. Um, just in general. Although I said I did say before that I turned down projects, but I said once I'm in a project, then I'll say yes a lot more. Like if someone suggests something or a different lyric or a different way of doing things, I'm like, yeah, okay, let's try that. Yeah, fantastic. No, I mean that's a that's a great place to end it with a nice, uplifting, positive message. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening. There's more details in the show notes about Alexis, where to find her online, her music, comedy sketches, and more. If you enjoyed this, check out some of our previous episodes where we speak to people about making creativity pay.